from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as we get you set for the Argonauts. Probably most important back-to-back games of the season as they take on the Alouettes in consecutive weeks. I want to talk to you first about something in the water brewing because we've got a pretty exciting bit of news to share. So something in the water brewing, you know them for their Longboat Pale Ale and their other award-winning beers, of course. But Longboat is awesome because it's dedicated to fans of the double blue. And they've got the beautiful can with Colonel Troutman on there wearing his blue helmet and everything else. Well... They've added uh, to their repertoire here. For Longboat, there is a specific beer mug that is out now. It's something in the water. You can pick it up. I'm just going to put a photo of it up on the screen here. I haven't had a chance to pick up mine yet, but uh, I'm definitely going to be doing that this weekend. Here's here's the Longboat Pale Ale beer mug. JB, what do you think of this guy here? Oh, that is... Uh... That's nice. Do you have? You don't have one. Yet? I don't have one yet. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one this weekend, and it's perfect timing because you can go by and pick up one of these. It's 15 bucks. It's a great deal for a beer mug. You got Colonel Troutman on it as well with that blue helmet, but perfect timing for this weekend. It's a one o'clock start the game, and so after the game, that's a great time to go and go and celebrate. Grab a grab a pint of Longboat. Pick up your your uh, beer mug as well, and uh, and that way you don't have it. You know, in the in the stadium with you or anything like that. So. Yeah, it's a it's a, a perfect win win for for you and uh, and and your and all your uh, your beer mug collection. So yeah, this is a must have. So make sure you drop by something in the water. They're located in Liberty Village, just steps from BMO Field and steps from Lamport Stadium, the Argos practice facility. Make sure you try some longboat while you're there. Huge week, JB. We got to talk about the Peter Nicastro extension. That was a big deal. Coming off the already big deal of Chad Kelly, uh, there's there's some concern starting to add up for next season. Doesn't impact impact this year, but there are a lot of a lot of good players, but expensive players on the books for next year. So we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Toronto can clinch a playoff spot with a win this week. That's something we'll get into. It's the Pure Later Tackle Hunger game, which means a lot to Argos fans. Plus, we've been tasked with coming up with a nickname for Javon Leak, and we'll give you some of our thoughts. We, we haven't had a ton of time to think about this one yet, but we've got some early thoughts. We'll also go through the injury report, game preview, OCDC, one thing, predictions, put me down for 20, and our CFL picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Let's kick it off with that Peter Nicastro extension, JB. A a huge get to be able to sign him for three years. I didn't, I never really felt like this was going to happen. And it's not based on anything Peter did or anything the team did. For me, I always sort of felt like Peter Nicastro being from, you know, being from Calgary, uh, Calgary Dino guy. I always kind of compared him to Sean McEwen, who I loved at center in Toronto. But of course, he went back home to Calgary when he became a free agent. And I just kind of in the back of my mind thought that's what was going to happen with Peter Nicastro. And so I was elated to find that they had signed him to a three-year extension. As expensive as it is, and it is a pricey deal, he is worth the money. He's just an absolute lock on the line, can play center and guard and can play both of them, I think, equally well. So uh, 205000 uh, is what he's due in 2024. That is up to 220 
in 2025 and then 240 in 2026. There's some other options in there too, but that's the sort of the the heart of the deal. So where do you stand on on the extension, three-year extension for Peter Nicastro? Yeah, it's fantastic. You, you, if you find a great offensive lineman, you you can't not pay them. They are worth their weight in gold. And the CFL sometimes, especially in Toronto, to be honest, sometimes used to be kind of a one-off team. You know, you'd be good for a year, then bad for three, and good for a year. And didn't ever seem to kind of build into a Calgary and kind of a, a team that was always one of the best teams in the league. We were very kind of up and down. So I love I love seeing the team making these plans to be good, you know, for the foreseeable future. It's not just kind of all in and we're going to go in and we're going to win the Great Cup and then be terrible for five years. So it's it's great to see. I know. I don't think the I don't think the rest of the league likes it very much uh, because Toronto already having won the Great Cup last year. It, not that they're you know not that it's done this year or anything like that or anything close, but they obviously are in the conversation this year. And re-signing Chad Kelly for three years, they're going to be in the conversation for the next three years as well. And so adding to that offensive line is you know it's it's got the usual people complaining, saying, well, what about the salary cap? Toronto is going to be way over the salary cap, and it's true there are some issues for next year, but those are next year's issues. The team's going to look pretty different, I think. The key is keeping the core. The most important piece to bring back was Chad Kelly. That was a huge part of this. And then it's after that, it's the offensive line. Like those are the pieces you can't find. You can't find great quarterbacks. You can't find great Canadian offensive linemen. They're not, they're not just sitting out there waiting for you. And so to get those two guys locked up, and they've got a couple other guys under contract too. Like it's it's a really good situation for Toronto to be in. And it is going to mean some guys move on. It will, inevitably. That's what happens when you've got a good team. It usually happens after a Grey Cup win, although it didn't really to Toronto this past year because Chad Kelly's contract was was so agreeable from a team standpoint for this season. So you didn't really see that mass exodus. I do expect Toronto's team to look very different next year, but that's okay. It's going to look different in pieces that are easier to find, not automatics. And I'm not downplaying the value of, you know, DBs and receivers, linebackers, et cetera, but they are easier to find than offensive linemen and quarterbacks. You can't really argue that. So for me, this is a massive deal. I know it sounds expensive, worth every penny, I promise you. Let's get into the playoff situation, JB. Pretty amazing that the week after Labor Day, Toronto is in a position, Winnipeg too, where they can clinch a playoff spot with a win. I know the goal isn't clinching a playoff spot for the Argos this season, but it's massive to, in early September, have that locked up already so that you can kind of bank that away. Does that change the way that this team goes forward? Does it does it mean anything other than, you know, for fans celebrating that they clinched a playoff spot? Like, what's what's the meaning of this? How significant is it? Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. I, I don't think there's any, I mean, maybe maybe the fourth time in a row that you clinched early, it could be a problem. But I think it's a long season and certainly the Argos have their share of guys who are nicked up. So it, I think clinching early is terrific because you could even take a break for a couple of guys and then bring them back you know, for game 17. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see any downside to it at all. I think if you can, if you can rest guys and have them ready for the playoffs, that that's a win. 
Are you worried at all about complacency? Because that's something that they brought up on the Three Down Nation podcast this week was that the Argos were obviously the better team against Hamilton. They jump out to a 17-0 lead and then uh, they commented that it felt like Toronto just sort of turned it off. And then at the end, they're like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, why don't we, yeah, let's just score some more points. They scored in their last four drives, won the game easily. But like, is there any worry about uh, getting complacent when you clinch a playoff spot this early? Or what if they wrap up the East with like, you know, four games to go, five games to go, it's possible. Uh, is that is that a danger? Uh, no, I mean, I think I think that's been the Argos have been the team this year who who get out to leads. And I don't know if they turn it off, but they kind of let the other team get back into it. And, and that's just who they've been. Um, but then they're able to finish in the fourth quarter. So it, it, I, I don't have any problem with, with with that aspect of it, I, I I don't think so. I mean, you know, this is not this is still very new for for many of them. I mean, of course, last year was was a Grey Cup winning, but it's not like they, you know, were expected to win the Grey Cup or sort of crushed the league and made their way to the Grey Cup. So, I I don't think this team takes anything for granted. I think they feel very lucky that 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 they played well and the breaks went their way last year and. I, I can't imagine that they don't feel the same this year. I think that as good as the team is, I, I think they have, we've talked about this before, but they've bought into this sort of week by week thing. And and I feel like the what can look like complacency sometimes is actually more down to the play calling and the situation. Like the goal is to be 1-0 and every week. And so when they get up to those leads, when they get out in the front 14-0 or 17-0, whatever it is, they they change up the play calling a little bit, not not to turn it off, but they want to chew up time. They they sort of their mode switches like they're it's not about urgency, need to score touchdowns now. It's not making mistakes. It's it's grinding away and tiring out the defense so that in the fourth quarter, when you've got A.J. Olette running up the middle, there are fewer and fewer guys interested in tackling him. Like, I think to me, that's more what I see than you know, not caring for two quarters or something no, like that. No, I agree. I don't think it's that they're not caring. I, I mean, I guess it, it does, it could look like that. I, I, you know, I just think that uh, they get a little impatient and they kind of get out of their routine and they're, they're, they're kind of a streaky team. Like when, when they're clicking, they're clicking and when they're not, <laughs> they really are not. So that's, yeah, it's it's something that we'll talk about as these benchmarks come up, like as these boxes get checked, they will, you know, obviously they will clinch a playoff spot at some point. Uh, that magic number is going to get down pretty low at some point. We'll bring that up too. But I think there is, I, I just see from this coaching staff, I know they'll want to rotate guys in. I don't feel like Coach Dinwiddie's going to get to a stage where he's like, rest everybody unless it's the very last game of the season. I just don't see that being something they do. But we could see if they if they clinch. Maybe you do see guys that are, you know, guys that are limited in practice. Maybe they sit out that extra week. Toronto's done that anyway most of the season. So I just think that's something you'll see them continue. This week, it is Pure Later Tackle Hunger. Uh, that's the that's the focus of this week's game. The Pure Later Tackle Hunger game is something that comes to each CFL city every season. 
This is a fantastic initiative. It's one that was so important to Chris Schultz, who every every CFL fan, every Argo fan loved. And uh, I know how special this was for him. And so in turn, that has made this even more special to Argos fans. And Argos fans have been fantastic with what they've been able to donate. Last year, Argos fans donated over 11,000 pounds of food during the Pure Later Tackle Hunger Game. And so hopefully they can actually surpass that this season. That would be that would be massive. And so uh, with the Toronto Argonauts already donating $75,000 to the Daily Bread Food Bank this season, the goals are set. Like this is this is something that uh, Toronto fans have to come through with because it it is something that's important. It's a great initiative that they and the league have taken on. And there's an extra incentive too. If you bring non-perishable food items to the stadium uh, this this week for the game, at gate one, you can actually have your photo taken with the Grey Cup. So that's a huge incentive. Not that you needed it, but that's one more incentive there. And not only do you get your picture taken with the Grey Cup, there's a meet and greet with a couple of Argo alumni favorites. Uh, Noel Prefontaine, Andre Talbot will both be there. So bring your non-perishable food items. Just stack a bag full of, of canned goods and, and non-perishables. Bring it into gate one. Donate the food. Get your picture taken with the Grey Cup. Meet uh, Prefontaine and Talbot. And then watch the Argos uh, take care of business against the Montreal Alouettes. It's a fantastic initiative. It's one that uh, Argos fans have been great with. Let's make sure we keep it up this week uh, in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, food drives have been something I've always been uh, really focused on, and 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 I know how important they are, and and how many people use them, and how you know, like people often think of food banks as sort of synonymous or connected to, say, like a homeless shelter. And the reality is that most food bank users um, have a job, and most food bank users uh, have two incomes, and simply can't afford to pay rent and uh, pay for food. So, um, you know, I, I love the feeling of thinking that what I bought at the store is going to be available for somebody who wouldn't have had it. it you know, it's kind of a selfish, uh, aside, but I just love it. I love that feeling of thinking somebody's going to have this food that, that wouldn't have had it otherwise. So I, I love that the league is doing it. And you were awesome with this. Like you and I have participated in in uh, food drives before, and I've seen you go to the grocery store specifically with bags and bags of food that you buy specifically to donate for for these uh, initiatives like Tackle Hunger and stuff. And so I know how much that means to you, and it does to Argos fans and to CFL fans. This this has been around since two thousand three, and they have raised uh, more than collected more than twenty million pounds of food during that time. That's an amazing, amazing achievement. But uh, the work isn't done and it may never be done. It's something that that you have to keep doing every year. And so, um, yeah, please, please uh, don't forget this Saturday. Bring non-perishables to BMO Field. JB, you've come up with some good nicknames over the years. <laughs> uh, juggernaut is, is you know, some people call AJ Olette Juggernaut. Uh, some people call Sean Oakman CN Power. Those are both yours. <laughs> I, I do. I, I know. I love CN Power. I just refuse to let that one go. Uh, they're good nicknames. Uh, we have been asked by a loyal listener, Elliot, 
uh, from from BC. He's he's been he's been listening to us from the very beginning. He's awesome, and uh, has virtually chugged beers with every Argos fan on Twitter. And so uh, he's asked us to come up with a nickname for Javon Leak because all great Toronto returners seem to have a nickname, whether it's it's Jimmy the Jet or the Flying Hawaiian or Pinball or Rocket. And Javon Leak, who is on the verge of tying a CFL record for punt return touchdowns, is nicknameless. So I'm not as gifted at this as you, but I've come up with <laughs> a list. I want you to tell me if you like any of my choices. And then mm-hmm. if, if you've got one to throw in, I'll, I'll be happy to hear that as well. So so here we go. Uh, obviously, he's a, a Maryland Terrapin. So my first one was uh, the Touchdown Terrapin, uh, building on the alliteration. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah, no, no that's, that's a no for me that's, well, a, that's a no for me Doug it's tough because terrapins like turtles aren't fast <laughs> so, no. so it's, a, it's a tough one to tie into but I just like the alliteration there alright what about uh, Kaiser Soze because just like that he's gone <laughs> I mean that's a line you could use on air I don't know if it's a nickname but it's a good line yeah, you kind of have to explain it every time you say it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's more uh, it's more an anecdote than a nickname. Uh, leak the freak rhymes, but I don't think that's it. Doesn't sound <laughs> complimentary for like a returner. I think that's more for a guy that's like six nine or something like that. Yeah, I, that's I agree. That's not him. What about leak and potato swoop? <laughs> no, that uh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, okay, so he's he's born in, in Greensboro, North Carolina. So what about Greensboro Lightning? Uh, I do not like any connection to Greece, but I do like Greensboro Lightning on its own. Greensboro Lightning. All right. So without don't say it that way. No, but... do not say it that way. Right, so Greensboro Lightning. All right, um, all right. And lastly, I have Javon with the wind. <laughs> well, that's similar to mine. Mine was uh, Javon in sixty seconds, which that's... I know doesn't make sense, but I don't care. I think it's still a great. I think it's, it's still a great touchdown call. Javon, in 60 uh, but Javon seconds. with the wind, solid. Yeah, Javon. I, I, Javon in sixty seconds is good. I, I like the idea. Like obviously, the timing, like to to steal a car in sixty seconds, is far more impressive than to run a punt return in sixty seconds. It, it is an old reference, not quite as old as Javon with the wind, <laughs> no. but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that that one's in the sweet spot. Yeah, I don't know if there are any other Gone movie references. We uh, Javon girl is not going to work, obviously. <laughs> uh, but those are our best. Elliot, we did our best for you. All right, you got to you go with one of those or come up with one yourself. We'll we'll keep thinking about it, and if something if something comes up, uh, we'll definitely shout it out. But love that as a as a podcast topic for this week. All right, let's get into the injury report. Uh, these are pretty different looking injury reports for both teams. Montreal is Montreal is in a in a mess right now, injury wise. Like I did, I didn't think the Toronto injury situation would have been great this week. There were so many guys that got banged up in last week's game, but most of them seem to be at least able to give it a go. Nobody has been ruled out from the uh, Toronto roster this week. There's four guys that are questionable. That's a that's a pretty positive situation. Montreal. Not the same thing. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys that have already been ruled out, and then yeah. a, f- a few guys that can go. So this is this is a two teams kind of in in different places. Yeah, I wonder. I do wonder if 
if Montreal basically, we had talked a little bit about this last week from Toronto's point of view, but I wonder if Montreal is just punting, punting on the away game, let guys get healthy, come, you know, cause you know, basically like, let's go for the split. Let's punt on the away game and, uh, and load up on the home game. It feels like that to me too. Like it feels like, and again, like what we talked about after the Hamilton game, but it feels like with all these guys that Montreal has decided can't go that, the, they just don't want to risk like if if they like if they went to these guys like the guys that are limited all week uh like Wesley Sutton was limited all week and he's been ruled out Keon Julian Grant limited all week he's been ruled out uh, Reggie White Jr uh, Avery Williams like all these guys are in the same boat if they went to all those guys like well, we need you to play it's gotta it's gotta happen but the risk is if they all go in and Montreal loses now they're stuck going back home with these guys that are now probably out and they're in a world of trouble. And so I think maybe you're on to something there. I think I don't like to look into, I don't think there's conspiracy theories with injuries here or anything like that, but I think it's just a smart football play for Montreal. Like, let's try and win this game in Toronto, but with all the healthy guys and let our other guys rest up so we really have a good chance to win in Montreal. So obviously they're, they're trying to win both games, but they're going about that in a different way. That's what I see when I look at this, this injury list. For Toronto, uh, I'll go through uh, some of the questionable guys. So uh, Dejan Brissett was limited in practice today. He's listed as questionable. Uh, Robertson Daniel was limited in practice today with an ankle injury. Sorry, uh, Dejan Brissett was a foot. Robertson Daniel, ankle, he's questionable. Remember, he went out early in the game. He came back in and he kept going sort of in and out, but he never looked quite right. I still haven't seen where that injury occurred. I didn't even notice it in my rewatch, but somewhere along the way, he, he tweaked his ankle, obviously, and he's, he's not 100%. And so it looks like he'll be a game-time decision or something of that nature. Um, John Haggerty, the punter. This one's interesting too. I, I still think Haggerty's probably going to dress. He's listed as questionable. He didn't practice at all, which is concerning today. But last week he was limited. The week before he was limited. He's still dressed as the holder. I'm fine with that designation. And so I expect that to continue on this week with, with Haggerty, where he doesn't need to practice necessarily to be able to hold. He's done that all season long, all last year. So I would expect him to go. Uh, but to continue in that capacity. But I was worried last week because after one of the field goals or extra points, he started trying to jog off to the sideline, to the bench, and came up lame. And that was a really bad sign for a guy that's been fighting off a knee injury. So we'll see what comes of that. But I, I still think he can hold. Uh, Jamal Peters limited with the quad injury. I didn't actually know what it was. He was hurt on the interception. He makes the pick. He's kind of undercut at the sideline. And I think it probably, my guess is it's like a Charlie horse. If you got a quad injury from a from a, from contact like that, it's probably that helmet or shoulder right to the quad. Um, that'd be my guess. So we'll see if he's able to go. And then everyone else was cleared. So Shane Richard, uh, Trevion Tate, Thomas Costigan, those guys should all be back in the fold uh, if need be. So Argo's in a pretty positive situation there injury-wise. What do you do with those DBs, JB? Like Robertson Daniel... Jamal Peters, if you're not sure, is this an automatic, you know, we're not sure, rest them? Or are the DBs too thin to be able to do that now? Mm. Well, I mean, it is an interesting conversation about, you know, Toronto, I mean, 
you want to win every game, but Toronto doesn't need to win every game. I think you're looking to win this game. And if you're going to punt on a game, I mean, I think you can punt on next week's game in Montreal. So you try and just load up. Let's let's get this yeah, done. I mean, and then... obviously you want to win every game, but I think if you're looking big picture, a split with Montreal basically keeps them at bay. You know, Hamilton is is sinking into the primordial ooze. Uh, Ottawa is not going anywhere. So I think a split is perfectly fine for, for Toronto. Yeah, I think I think they need one of those two guys to play. Like that's when I look at who's available and not just for to start, but who's available to even dress. They're they're banged up right now. They so desperately need Maurice Carnell and Robert Priester to return. And that would that would help out so much right now. And that would allow these guys to rest. But we're not quite there yet. So uh, that's if they can get one of those two guys to, to dress, and they feel good enough about them. I think probably based on it being like ankle versus quad, you know, again, I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm guessing here, but um, in terms of re-injury, re-aggravation, if we're talking about it, like a Charlie horse versus like a sprained ankle, I think I would, I think I would dress the the Charlie horse. So that'd be Jamal Peters, but uh, yeah, we'll see what they come up with. Obviously they're, they're thinking long-term about this, not short-term. All right, let's tee this game up. So what does this mean, this game? Right now, the Toronto Argonauts have a six-point lead on Montreal for the East Division uh, lead, and that's a massive gap. With a win this week, they stretch that to eight games, and that would be 11 games in. So to have an eight-game lead with seven games remaining would be massive. It gives you not only clinches a playoff spot, this that basically that basically wins the east for you like i know mathematically that's we're not close but if you were that many points up like the argos can just stroll in with a 500 record and will still win these division so to me that's that's i i like your suggestion of lock this game down win this game and now you can now you can do whatever you want because you're basically going to going to walk to the East Division title. But in that way, this game is almost bigger for Toronto than it is for Montreal. But Montreal's only got a four-point lead on, on Hamilton. Hamilton goes into Ottawa this week. If Hamilton wins that game, Montreal loses. Amazingly enough, as bad as the Ticats have been at times, and they've looked terrible at times, they would only be two points back of the Alouettes. So from that standpoint, Montreal's... I, you know, I, I know they're looking at second place, probably not first, but they also don't want to get caught by the Tiger Cats. Hamilton's schedule is tough down the stretch, though. It is. I know. I know, like, but they're, they're going to get support, though. At some point, they're going to start getting quarterbacks back. Yeah, but I mean, they have to, they they play basically, the, not basically, they play the Western Division. <laughs> yeah, it's you not know, great. Like, like when you look at what Hamilton has left, they basically have Toronto and then the West. So I I don't see Hamilton making any ground. Yeah, I mean, Mon- Montreal has a they play Ottawa twice and uh, they play Edmonton. <laughs> Hamilton has to play Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan. I I think Hamilton is uh, they are done done like disco. It's time for OCDC. <laughs> 
OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care, celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. You've got to get down there and check it out. It's right on Bloor Street, just steps from Royal York Station. It's where I get my haircut. You can also go there for a shave. You can also go there for like a scalp massage. They've got all sorts of options. You check out their, their website. The business is 100% the place to go to get your haircut. It's, you, you can't beat it. Licensed is kind of cool too. They've got so many neat things about, about that place. Love the staff. If you didn't catch it the other day, I video documented my last haircut at the business. So you can check it out too. See what it's like. See what it looks like. Get the feel for the place. But yeah, I promise you, you will not regret getting your haircut at the business barbershop and spa. All right, JB, OCDC. I'm going to start things off. Uh, well, let's do the Montreal Alouettes first. So Montreal had a lot of success running the football last week. They were great. It was bolstered by a, a long run um, that they had from, from Stanback, but they ran the ball well, even without that long run. And so you have to imagine that Toronto's been looking at that on film this week. It's probably their number one goal this week is stopping the run and having Fajardo beat you probably with deep passes. That's what I'm I'm thinking. I don't know what your Toronto defensive plan is going to be, but I imagine it's going to be something in that in that uh, in that area. So for me as Montreal, I'm going to go with a lot of play action. I'm actually not going to run a lot. I don't think I don't think running should be part of Montreal's game plan this week. I think play action heavy. I want to run slants out of play action. I want to run dig routes, a little deeper dig routes in behind that linebacker level. Um, I want to run double screens also. Toronto's going to go back to that first game they played against Montreal where Montreal ran a screen on every play. Now I want to do the double screen. So uh, what that means is like you drop back, quarterback looks out to his left and there's a screen developing over that way. But they also very quietly, covertly have a screen developing on the right. So quarterback drops back, staring down the screen on the left and then flips his hips and throws to the other side. It actually works better the other way for a right-handed quarterback is to to look right and then flip back left. Uh, Those, I think, might catch Toronto. Toronto's got aggressive linebackers. They will be ready for those screens. Maybe that's the way that you can attack them. Last thing I want to do, I want to run cover four beaters. Toronto's secondary is banged up. I would guess that the, the defensive game plan for Toronto this week is a little bit more simple than what uh, Coach Mace has been running so far this year. We've seen like when guys have had to come in and they've had to have Pickett play safety and and Williams play a defensive back spot, they've had to adjust to really simple cover three. And I would imagine that like being a cover four team, you're probably going to get a lot of base cover four this week as part of the install. And so run concepts that take advantage of that. So you've got your all your standard cover four beaters, your your dagger, your mills, your your drive, your sale. These are concepts that uh, start in one lane and end up in another, essentially. You've, they sometimes flood one area, especially between the halfbacks uh, and the safety, where you get someone going, you know, a, a post running directly at deep coverage, and then you've got a dig cutting underneath that, um, and maybe even a shallow crosser too. Crossers are great in behind the linebackers. Those things really mess up cover four, and if you've got guys playing out of position, those lead to busts. And we saw that against Calgary a few weeks ago. So those are my strategies for trying to take advantage of what Toronto may try and run this week defensively. Uh, JB, what is your defensive plan for the Montreal Alouettes? Uh, the Alouettes need to stop the run. You, But you have to stop the run for four quarters. 
Um, so there just has to be a commitment to that. The the Argos have just been crushing teams on the fourth quarter uh, with the running play. They just have to, um, you know, commit to four quarters of of stopping the run. I think if you if you do that, I, I think you have a much better chance of of beating Toronto. I think that once the run gets going, there is you know, Chad Kelly is too good a quarterback to to defend once you're able to you know if you're able to be two-dimensional so I, I it sounds a bit simplistic but i honestly i would just focus on the run take away the pass catching out of the running backs and um you know basically ex- let let the defense handle um chad because i i don't think the receivers even though it's a talented group it's not like a BC Lions group or a group that you feel like, oh, there's no way that we can stay with these guys in man, or what are we going to do with this burner going down the field? It's just when you're you're not sure which one you're are you playing the run, you play in the pass. I would just play the run, and and see how that goes, you know, and and just bring as you know bring bring heat as often as I can, run blitz as often as I can, and and then you know, see if, if, if Chad can beat you. And if he does, he does, but you can't let them be, uh, you know, two dimensional because you, then you have no hope. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like a recipe for disaster, but I agree. I think that makes sense. Like to say, well, just let Chad Kelly beat you because we've seen like, he can do that obviously, but the, the answer isn't to like let Toronto run either. Right. So because they do get leads, they are capable of putting up points. And if you're not trying to stop the run, it, yeah, it gets it can get away from you. And then you're doomed in the fourth quarter if you can't shut down the run. So, no, I, I agree. I think that is the game plan. It, I think it doesn't sound good, but I think that's absolutely. No, I mean, it, the best then, thing to you, do. then you just got to, you know, you just got to depend on your DBs to, uh, you know, to be able to match up in man. And I think you can. I, I think you can match up in man. I think we're going to see a lot of man. I do think we'll see that. Um, especially that you might see split. You might actually see, uh, and I don't know, actually, I don't even know if I've seen Montreal run that before where you've got man to one side and, and you're playing zone on the other side. They, they tend to, when they split, they just sort of split, uh, cut and hold. Um, but that'd be kind of fun to play around with, I think too, or just go straight man across the board. They will go zero. We've seen that quite a bit too, where they'll send uh, Decois on a blitz. They, they love to move him around as a safety. That's something that, that Toronto's yeah, obviously got to I mean, be aware of. I would definitely of. roll that, you know, what, you know, with through the run blitzes, I would definitely, you know, I think you have to bring heat too. You don't, you don't have any choice. Let's go to the other side of the ball. So the Toronto Argonauts for my offensive plan, there's two things that I really want to focus on. Uh, actually three. So first of all, they've got to attack the two boundary DBs. These are our young guys are inexperienced in terms of the CFL uh, Cordell Rogers, Reggie Stubblefield, they're good players. They're good defensive backs, but they just haven't seen a lot of professional football. And so I love this matchup with uh, with Coxie and, and Devaris Daniels, who they're going to be up against a lot. What Where are their weaknesses? Like Rogers and Stubblefield, they're, again, they're, they're both great. They play the ball well. There's a reason that Montreal's put them on the boundary side, which is so, it's so weird because you got like Carriel Brooks, uh, Ento, those guys are on, on the field. And those are the names, you know, like Brooks, we know how dangerous he can be. And it's just funny that that you've got these these two um, these two players and Rodgers and Stubblefield on the other side. I, I think what beats them is good route running. 
I, I don't love their change of direction. If they've got a weakness, it's change of direction, it's acceleration out of breaks. And so DeVaris Daniels being as good a route runner as he is, I think is going to eat these guys alive. I think it's going to be a big game for DeVaris Daniels. And I think what that's going to cause is going to cause Montreal to start shifting Dequa over to that side. And this is now the second part of my plan where I want to run backside skinny posts. So that's that's Phillips, that's Curly Gittens Jr. running those those skinny posts from the backside. I think you're going to catch Dequa out of position. He comes down aggressively. Part of what makes him a great as a safety is how aggressive he is. But I think Toronto's got to find occasions to burn him. So you start off by lighting them up with, with Devaris. And when Dequa comes over to help, now you burn them for big plays on those posts and on those seams. So that's the start of my plan. The last thing. They've got to get the Z receiver more involved. Chad Kelly was great at that early in the season. And it's not like his play has slipped or anything like that, but he has gotten away a little bit from spreading the ball around as liberally as he was to start the year. We haven't seen Brissett and Unger have huge games. Like Brissett's touchdown catch this week was from AJ Olette. Uh, he only had one target from Chad Kelly. Uh, I want to see Kelly target Unger and Bursett. I want to see them. That's They've got good Z receivers. And early in the year, Chad did use those guys. So that's something that I'd like to see uh, come up this week. And I think those, those, if that's your plan of attack, I think you'll, you'll beat Montreal. JB, what's the defensive plan for the Argos? Um, well, I mean, I think similarly, I'm Stanback looks like he is is getting into into game shape and and back to the force that he was. Um, I'm taking away the run, and uh, I think if you take away the run and you you simply force Montreal, you know, you play like a cover two shell. You play like Montreal does not, you know, they're not particularly good statistically at anything. They're kind of middle of the pack at everything. Um, they're not overwhelmingly talented from a from a pure player talent point of view. Um, Mac obviously is somebody that you want to take a look at and probably would like to double team on occasion because clearly they're looking to go to him. But I'm I'm more like having a deep cover two shell to take away the deep passes, which is something Montreal um, likes to do. They they're second in the league in passes over thirty, but I'm I'm closing down the door on Stanbeck and I am coming after the quarterback. Montreal is not particularly good at protecting the quarterback and it's time for the sack exchange to, uh, to get it going. I think those guys don't always get a chance to, um, you know, release the hounds. And I would, I would bring that defensive line and, and linebacker, you know, I'd bring McManus. Um, I would, I would bring a lot more heat than, than has been coming. And we've seen Toronto do similar things, like where they will have the too high look that they send heat from. And sometimes that too high turns into four or it sometimes it stays as, as too deep. They will leave the middle of the field open. Like they are a middle of the field open team. But uh, but it allows you to do both. Like you can play you can play cover two and send yeah. heat. And I'm so. a, I, Montreal loves that sideline pass. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know that we got screened to death last time, but I don't care. I don't know. I mean, whatever. <laughs> If they try and screen Toronto to death again, then that that's not going to win. I'm, I'm not concerned about that. It's time for one thing. So my one thing finally came, came true last week, which was a uh, lead after the first quarter. They really went to town on that 17-0 after one. 
this week, my one thing is going to be focused on one of the things I highlighted in OCDC. I want Z receivers to have four targets or more. So that's the combination of Ungerer and Brissett, uh, four targets or more. That's whoever's playing that Z spot, you've got to spread it around because he will go. We know he's going to go to Gittins. Gittins' targets have been up. Cam Phillips is leading the team in targets this year. Devaris Daniels and Coxey are, are two of Chad Kelly's favorite targets. So let's finish that out. Let's get balls to Z, which really puts, if you're trying to stop the run and you're trying to stop five receivers from getting involved in the passing game, uh, it's going to be a long day for you. So that's something that's missing in my opinion. So that's my one thing. What about you, JB? Uh, my one thing will be no passing touchdowns in the red zone defensively. Okay, I was going to say, like, what, they can only run inside the... No, okay. I, you know, Montreal is not a very good red zone passing team. Uh, it's an area that the that the Argos, I think, probably need to tighten up a tiny bit. So red zone passing touchdowns. Yeah, they've been oddly off on that like that, they were so good at that last season and yeah. the year before but for whatever reason teams are converting touchdowns in the red zone through the air so yeah that's a good one thing how does this one end jb what is your prediction for this game i think, I think toronto at home um especially if montreal is going to leave half the team in montreal uh i like toronto at home i think that they're you know i don't think that they're going to come flat after that hamilton win I think they they know that this is a game that can really set them up for the rest of the season. Uh, I like uh, I like Toronto twenty eight fourteen. I like Toronto big. I got a similar score, and this has changed recently. So, like i I make my I make predictions on three down nation uh, as well, and I've already submitted those for the week. But that was before I saw the injury report that Montreal put out today. And while I initially, I, I had the Argos winning, I still have the Argos winning. I thought this was going to be a pretty close game. When I see that injury report, I think there's way more things that can go wrong for Montreal here. So I initially had this as being tight. I, I don't see it that way anymore. I think this is Toronto 35, Montreal 20. That is my final 15-point win for the Argos. It is time for Put Me Down for 20. And while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important that you do so responsibly. Set a budget. Don't bet more than you'd be happy to lose. And if anyone you know or you yourself develop a problem with gambling, you can call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline 1-888-230-3505. JB, you were in the money last week. <laughs> I was. You, you I were due, as they say. Uh, so, yeah, you went from a, a measly 64 golden fleeces all the way up to 93 golden fleeces. So you were definitely back in the game after the Devaris Daniels anytime touchdown and your BC halftime lead and win, both of which were. were I know. I really paying. felt like there should have been more juice on that. But damn, the, the books are getting better. They are. As they, they do, unfortunately. They, they took a bath, though, on Devaris Daniels' touchdowns last week because he was at plus 185. You and I both had that. And obviously, a ton of people went with that because that line moved as we got to game day. It came way down. And if you look at if you look at Devaris Daniels' anytime touchdowns this week, they're at like minus 220 or something like that because they're just like, like no, Devaris is not. I thought Montreal at home should have had more juice, but, you know, that's okay. 
Uh, I split last week, but I ended up up overall because of the plus 185 on, on my Devaris bet. But I lost on the, the Elks money line. The Elks, the, oh, the, this is the third time this season I've made an Elks bet that through like 56 minutes looked amazing and then fell to pieces. Remember I had the Elks beating Winnipeg at ridiculous odds and they were up by 22 points and then fell to but pieces. Elks, Elks gonna Elk. Yeah, they elked. Uh, so going to this week, uh, I got 304 golden fleeces and change. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you my bets first, and then we'll hear what your picks are this week. I think you have honors this week. So uh, I'm gonna my Toronto bet, I'm putting 10 golden fleeces on Toronto by 1 to 13 points. Uh, I just like the juice on that. I know I predicted a 15-point win, but I really like the juice on the 1 to 13. It's such a wide range. It's plus 130 that I'm getting there. So that sort of goes against my my margin of victory from, uh, I, f- I feel like I'm really like hedging my bets here, but I just like the, I like the odds on that. So if Toronto wins by 1 to 13, plus 130, that to me, that's a really good number. I feel quite confident in that um, for that price. And then I'm putting 10 golden fleeces on an alternate spread in the Winnipeg game. Winnipeg right now is favored by, I think, 8.5. I'm going to roll that up all the way to 16.5 for plus 200 and put uh, 10 golden fleeces on Winnipeg. I think they're going to, I think they're going to just demolish um, the Rough Riders this week because the Rough Riders had them last week and they left that game angry, bitter. Uh, I think I think Winnipeg's going to come out on fire, and they usually do. Like Winnipeg beats Saskatchewan in Winnipeg, Saskatchewan beats Winnipeg in Saskatchewan. So yeah, this is, this one's going to be over quick. Uh, what are you doing with your Golden Fleeces this week, JB? I have ten on Hamilton defense anytime touchdown. Um, that's plus one ninety five. Yeah, which is not bad. I, I you know I actually don't like Hamilton to win that game, but I do think that that's in play. I thought that was decent juice. And uh, for the Argos, I have them maybe coming out a little sleepy after the Hamilton uh, celebration. And I have Montreal leading at halftime and the Argos winning at the end plus 700. Nice. That is a that is that would get you right. Like that win would get you right back uh, in the conversation. So that yeah. that's a big one for you here. That's I'll, right. I'm ready. I like that you're swinging for the fences with both of these. <laughs> that's, that's how I... So I get to 65 golden fleeces. It is time for our CFL picks. So we're in week 14. You had a good week last week, three and one. I was two and two. And so that means we are all square once again, 33 and 18. That's our, our both of our records uh, through 13 weeks. I have a feeling we're going to be pretty similar on our picks this week. Let's see if we have any differences. So for Hamilton at Ottawa, uh, I'm taking Ottawa. Just they're coming off a bye, and Hamilton's got like like one practice, and then they play a game uh, tomorrow night. Like that's that's bananas. So Ottawa for me. Yeah, same with me. I I mean, <laughs> I don't know. They're they're such unpredictable teams. Um, but I think coming off the bye is such a huge advantage. Ottawa at home is still a pretty good team. Um, you know, I'm I I have Ottawa, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I'm uh, I'm betting anybody's college fund on it. <laughs> and teams have been like in the CFL this year; they've been really good off the buy, so that that does make sense. Uh, Montreal, Toronto. We've both already picked Toronto for that one. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. I've already told you. I think Winnipeg's going to crush Saskatchewan. Are you going with your Green Riders? 
Uh, no, I, I like Winnipeg at home. I like Winnipeg. Um, you know, I like Winnipeg coming off a loss. Uh, I, I think Winnipeg, you know, takes care of business there. The last one, Calgary at Edmonton. I hate picking Edmonton games this year. Not only have they cost me in put me down for 20, I can't get them right. Every time I pick, I picked Edmonton to win, I think four times this year. I'm 0 for 4. And the one time that they actually did win, I did not have them. And so I, I just can't get it right with Edmonton. That said, they were the better team last week. They should have won that game. And that was in Calgary. I think they're going to be more motivated this week. Calgary is going to be a little bit complacent. Maybe it's in Edmonton where the monkey's off their back now. So I think Edmonton pulls this one out. I, oh God, I, I, I even like, I, uh, it's hard for me to even say, but yeah, I'm picking Edmonton. Uh, where are you going, JB? <laughs> uh, I will not pick Edmonton. I think that Calgary absolutely needs this game um, to stay in the conversation. And, um, you know, Edmonton is very good at blowing leads. Um, you know, Calgary is a really tough schedule left too. You know, they have to play BC. They have to play the Stampeders. Uh, or sorry, they have to play um, a Saskatchewan. Like, I, they have to win this game. I mean, I think if, if they are serious about making the playoffs, um, they have to win this game. So it's a must win for Calgary. I can't imagine they blow it. Saturday, 1 o'clock, BMO Field. Don't forget to bring your non-perishable food items for the Pure Later Tackle Hunger Game. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we'll see you down there at BMO Field, 1 o'clock start. Don't forget to go to Something in the Water Brewing after the game and pick up your Longboat Pale Ale beer mug, which, like I said, looks absolutely fantastic. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe, foe.